this two and a half years of Prime Minister Imran Khan has actually turned the tide for Pakistan. You know, the public's not buying it. After a very long time in Pakistan, there is no corruption scandal in the at the top hierarchy of the government. Is there a parallel justice system in your country? In next six months, you will see the number of missing persons will be zero. You think it's acceptable to intimidate the press? I see no problem with, with the freedom of uh, expression. Opposition parties in Pakistan have been upping the pressure on Prime Minister Imran Khan in a series of recent mass protests. They say he's a puppet of the military and has mismanaged the economy as inflation spirals. There's also concern about the state of human rights and press freedom. My guest this week from Islamabad is Fawad Chowdhury, Pakistani Minister for Science and Technology. What has his government achieved? And who's calling the shots in Pakistan? Minister Fawad Chaudhary, welcome to Conflict Zone. Thank you for having me. It's halfway through your government's term. And there is rising anger at high inflation and poor economic prospects. The opposition has united. They say that your prime minister, Imran Khan, that he is incapable and that he is merely a puppet of the military. Is he? Well, frankly, all oppositions uh, maintain the same line. It's uh, just a non-serious argument. I believe that uh, at this two and a half years of Prime Minister Imran Khan has actually turned the tide for Pakistan. At the time when the whole world is actually struggling uh, with the COVID, Pakistan is probably the only country that has shown remarkable, um, I would say, uh, struggle. And we have achieved uh, the success that no other country could have even imagined that Pakistan would. We have, uh, we have successfully um, combated the COVID. We have maintained our uh, economic uh, stability. Uh, and and ev anything that you can imagine, uh, you know, in a, the best case scenario that you can attribute to any country in the COVID, Pakistan is a case for that. And this, but, and the world has actually acknowledged Pakistan for that. But, but, but Mr. Minister, um, I'd like to ask you, because let's look at the seriousness of the argument, in fact. Um, let's look at the management of the pandemic. On March 22nd, the Prime Minister told the nation that the government would not institute a sweeping lockdown. Less than 24 hours later, the military announced that the army would oversee a shutdown and they have been orchestrating the response ever since. So who's calling the shots? That's, that's actually not true. Uh, the first COVID case in Pakistan appeared on 26 February. And I think Pakistan was was I would say among the very uh, early nations that initiated uh, uh, steps to secure its borders and airports uh, in February second week, we actually placed all our protocols at the airports. The world started actually very late. Secondly, the the lockdown that as you are referring, there was no concept of complete lockdown in Pakistan and Prime Minister resisted that from day one. And that is the reason that in Pakistan we never had a complete lockdown. We only had partial lockdowns and uh, actually very well managed uh, lockdowns and uh, military is part of the government and uh, we are actually the policies of the government uh, have the but full support of army. So Pakistani Prime Minister calls a shot and Pakistan army supports him. Mr. Minister, you know, there are members, former members of the military who don't agree with that assessment, in fact. And I'd just like to turn to the statement um, of a retired general who says the government, in fact, left a big gap 
in its handling of the coronavirus. The army has tried to fill that gap. There was no choice. So in other words, he's saying the handling of the coronavirus crisis, one of one of the greatest challenges of the past decades and the civilian government could not rise to meet it. Who said this? This is a retired general who was quoted by the Financial Times on April 25th, 2020. Uh, government handling of the COVID produced results or not. The fact is that Pakistan today is, uh, is has been appreciated by everyone on the COVID handling. So it's not, it's irrelevant who said what. So you have to see the consequences and results of the policies and Pakistan proved uh, a great success. And I have to give credit to the Prime Minister's policies and certainly Army um, fully supported Pakistan Prime Minister's policies because they are part of the government. Let's move from the coronavirus crisis to um the management of Pakistan's economy. You asserted a little bit earlier that the economy was doing very well, but you know the assessment of the World Bank is that you had double-digit inflation last year. Um, they also say that your economic prospects for this current year remain below potential. Tens of billions of dollars right now are being invested in the major infrastructure project, the China-Pakistan Economic Corridor, CPEC. It's happening on your soil. It's supposed to spur economic growth. Last year, you installed a former military general to oversee it. Could you not find anyone in your civilian government to handle it? Well, frankly, once a general is retired as much a civilian as any other civilian. And actually, the human resource that uh, we found the best, we select uh, that. Uh, general Asim Bajwa has served in the army, but fact of the matter is that he's one of the most competent uh, officer to handle this. He knows pro and cons of uh, this project. He has served um, a long time and we would like, anyone would like, you know, someone with hands-on experience to handle such uh, projects and that's why he was selected. So secondly, as uh, you mentioned about uh, the economy, you see, we inherited an economy that was in shambles. Uh, Pakistan was literally at the brink of uh, bankruptcy and we started, initiated our steps from that very moment. Today, Pakistan economy is far better uh, than uh, at the time when we actually in then we, we took over and today pakistan's rupee is stable pakistan's uh, pakistan has turned uh, actually the, the i would say the biggest step for prime minister imran khan is that he has actually rejuvenated the industry in pakistan for eight years pakistan export has touched the highest pakistan's uh, remittances are the highest at the moment uh, we are not uh, we are not putting money Money to stabilize uh, rupee par dollar parity. We are actually, the money is stable on but itself. But Mr. Minister, so I, I think, uh, let's turn now to one of Imran Khan's big promises when he came into office, and that is to stamp out corruption. Um, the anti-corruption agency, the National Accountability Bureau, the NAB, has arrested around a dozen politicians from the opposition since then. How many have been arrested from your party? Why would anyone would have been arrested from my party? Because you say you have no corruption in your party? In the gum. 
No, not at all. If there is any, there you should point out who should be arrested from a power party. Well, let me tell you what the Supreme Court of, of your country thinks um, about your handling and how you're approaching the anti-corruption campaign. In a stinging decision last year, the Supreme Court said that the anti-corruption body, the National Accountability Bureau, is selectively applying its laws on individuals when it detained two opposition politicians for 15 months without credible charge. Your top bar association goes one step further to say it's a tool for arm twisting of political opponents. So how can you say that the anti-corruption campaign is legitimate with such okay. stains on it like that? Okay. So n n now I, I would like to uh, explain this in a bit. You know, you see uh, this whole uh, National Accountability Bureau, the anti-corruption uh, institution. Uh, we have not. The government has not appointed even uh, a lower staff in this, uh, you know, organization. From its chairman, from the, the chairman of the NAB to the very lowest cadre, each and everyone is appointed either by uh, PMLN leader Nawaz Sharif or Shahid Khakan Abbasi, the, his nominee as a prime minister, or then People's uh, Party. So the whole institution, the law itself was actually uh, passed by PMLN in 1997. Then People's Party retained it. The whole organization is actually established by either People's Party or PMLN. All the cases they are charged with are not in, are not filed by us. Each and every case they are facing are actually filed either by People's Party against PMLN or PMLN against People's Party. So uh, where is the witch hunting? All investigations of this case, these cases were actually complete even before Prime Minister took over. Thirdly. Uh, there is the evidence against them is not oral evidence where you you know pick up someone and force him to make a statement. Each and every case is based on actually documentary evidence. For example, leader of the opposition Shahbaz Sharif is behind the bars, and there is an evidence of 41 volumes against him where each and every money he transferred outside through money laundering has is been accounted for. So there is nothing, you know, uh, it's, it's just fashionable to say, uh, to criticize, uh, you know, uh, the process for accountability. But fact of the matter is that uh, every Pakistani citizen know that how they plundered Pakistan. Every, everyone know the facts of the case. There is, uh, so uh, maybe um, you can give this uh, impression to the foreign media um, uh, uh, that there is a witch hunting. But fact of the matter is every Pakistani knows that all the cases are based on the merit. Well, it's, it's not just the foreign media, we have to say, Mr. Minister. The, the European Commission assessment of Pakistan also raised red flags that there are very few cases um, of ruling party ministers and politicians that have been pursued to, since the 2019 elections. Amnesty International also points out that um, the crackdown has actually increased um, since the opposition united this, this past fall. Um, they have called on you to cease using the National Accountability Bureau uh, to detain critics of the government. Where is the accountability, Mr. Minister? Well, frankly, uh, suggesting that um, it is important that the people in the government should also be arrested for no reason is, is I, I don't think so. There's any point in that. And it's quite an insane demand, I would say. Uh, if there is any case against any government official, 
uh, they should bring uh, before the court or uh, even before the NAB and show the evidence. Only making a political statement does not qualify arrest of a person. Okay. I, I hope so, you will appreciate so that. So then, Mr. Minister, 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 then let me ask you about one particular case. I'd like to talk about one very exposed person who is seen as affiliated with your government. That is retired Lieutenant General Asim Badwa. We spoke about him earlier. He was appointed head of the CPEC authority. He's been accused of not declaring his family's assets properly, as you know. Um, so this is the person who you trust to manage your major infrastructure project. But what was the allegation against him? The allegation is what that is the allegation against him. The allegation is that he didn't properly file his wife wife's assets. The allegation is that he built businesses. His family built businesses in in multiple countries around the world worth tens mm -hmm. of millions of dollars. Um, okay. and, and the big question is, you know, you, you're trusting him to head this infrastructure project, at the so, very least, does it not warrant mm -hmm. having him stand aside while you mm -hmm. carry out an investigation to avoid any appearance of impropriety? That is what the opposition has called for. No, actually no. The allegation against him is uh, that uh, in 27 years of uh, his brother's career in United States of America, they built companies. They built. Uh, companies in which uh, his wife uh, shared about 13 or 15 percent of uh, you know the shares belong to his uh, wife so i am unable to understand that if this bill if this whole empire is built on corruption and that too in the united states of america where is the evidence to that and if he has transferred money to United States of America from here into some money laundering, as you know, under the new money laundering regime in the whole in the inter international anti-money laundering regime, he can easily be comprehended. But the fact of the matter is that opposition use such kind of propaganda only to malign political opponents. When it comes to hard evidence, they actually has nothing. Mr. And Minister, even in this case, uh, they. You know, the public's not buying it. The public perception is that corruption, in fact, is on the rise under your administration. According to reporting from Transparency International Citizens, they simply aren't terribly confident in these efforts that, that you're speaking about right now, are they? Actually, uh, so uh, now, now coming to Transparency International. Actually, I believe I have gone through the report of Transparency International, and I believe it's a very well-written report. And uh, the, uh, the, their emphasis is, and the point they have raised are actually needs a, a careful consideration. For example, they have raised one point uh, of, of um, Pakistan in this corruption index because of the lower judicial court system in Pakistan. And I believe that uh, the concerned, uh, you know, the chief justices and also the revenue departments and the police department, they need to get together and obviously work out that why uh, uh, people have, uh, you know, the kind of, uh, they don't have faith on these systems. So I I believe the Transparency International report is very good. But on the other, other hand, I would like to point out that after a very long time in Pakistan, there is no corruption scandal in the at the top hierarchy of the government. There is two and half, two years and five months of this government, not a single scam of a, of a minister came out. This is very, I would say, uh, a healthy thing in Pakistan because uh, in Pakistan, in countries in uh, Pakistan, there used to be a governments of People's Party and PMLN, where in two and a half years, actually, all the ministers would have tainted with the money.
Mr. Minister, I'd like to move on. Um, beyond your anti-corruption campaign, there's allegations of human rights abuses that have been mounting. Um, there's been recent demonstrations from family members demanding answers for people forcibly disappeared, a term used for state-backed abductions. Is there a parallel justice system in your country where security forces decide who is going to be taken? Well, frankly, Pakistan has had been into a situation. For example, United States of America built this whole Guantanamo Bay, and there was a huge debate that uh, can this happen. Likewise, in Spain, the detention period uh, actually gone up to seven years. So uh, there were drastic measures taken by the by the uh, by the European countries, by the America, uh, when the menace of terrorism actually crossed all limits, and uh, that happened in Pakistan as well. But now uh, with the normalcy back in Pakistan, uh, you will appreciate that uh, the biggest number of uh, uh, missing persons was in a previous era, era two, from 2013 to 2018. But in two and a half years of, of Prime Minister Imran Khan government, the number has actually declined to very visibly declined. And uh, I believe that in next six months, you will see but the number of missing persons will be zero. Mr. Minister, okay, so you say the number of missing people will be zero. Um, Tell me, because you, your government, and this has been reported, has finally decided to expedite a me mechanism to resolve the issue. But you didn't do this unprompted, did you? Um, I understand that the Islamabad High Court ruled last month that the prime minister and his cabinet could be held responsible for these enforced disappearances. So why should anyone trust that action will be swift and concrete and that these families indeed will get answers? Action is swift, and we have also we are already bringing a law through which missing persons and the people involved in the missing persons can actually be prosecuted. So we are taking all the actions possible, and uh, I think the situation has improved a lot. And the number of missing persons, as I said uh, before, has declined to a very significant. Uh, this is a very significant change. You can anyone uh, knowing Pakistan can actually tell you. And I believe that in next uh, few months you will see but that. This number will actually, Mr. Uh, Mr. Minister, I'd just like to, to draw everyone's attention to something that you, you have said on the matter publicly. In fact, you issued a tweet. This was in February where you wrote the following. These mothers can protest in Punjab and yet no one will shoot them after looking at their ID cards. But what can we do about the sorrow of those mothers whose sons are shot in Balochistan just because they are Punjabi? Just speak about the atrocities everywhere and say, you know that the color of Punjabi blood is red too. This tweet was sharply rebuked as rubbing salt in the wounds of these individuals. Is this how you deal with the grievances and the questions from the citizens of your country? Not at all. This, this is just a um, factual depiction of the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm not denying that this is not my tweet. But fact of the matter is that uh, Punjabi, uh, Punjabi youngsters, very, very young boys, have been killed in Balochistan uh, by the terrorists, supported by by BLA, backed by India. Unfortunately, uh, the Punjabi mothers cannot mourn their, uh, uh, you know, uh, sons in Balochistan.
but uh, this is the fact of the matter unfortunately india has created the situation in balochistan uh, where the young punjabis have been killed mercilessly and unfortunately uh, these the wounds of these mothers uh, are uh, still uh, i mean how can you, you how can you describe the uh, describe the situation of mother who has undergone that uh, situation where his son was actually asked to come out of the bus Ms. show Mr. his Minister, id card and if his punjabi has been shot you appear to be deflecting the blame. Uh, so I'd just like to ask you, um, UN rights groups, they have been calling for action in one particular case, and I'd like to, to draw us to it. That is the case of Idris Katak, human rights defender, formerly of Amnesty International. He was reportedly forcibly disappeared in 2019, arrested by security forces under the Official Secrets Act. The UN says he was held incommunicado for seven months, so more than half a year. He continues to be deprived of his most basic rights. What does that say? about the rule of law in your country? And wouldn't this be a good opportunity to start with transparency and answer the UN's call for an investigation? No, 100 percent. Prime Minister is very clear on that. If there is any case, I don't I have no details of the incident that you mentioned. And frankly, I have no I, I don't know about anything about this case. But uh, in all cases, Prime Minister has very categorically said that there should be no uh, no case without a proper legal course adopted and Pakistan is following that uh, uh, course but uh, as I said in Balochistan yes there is a situation unfortunately there, there is a terrorist activities going on backed by India and uh, that situation is obviously worrisome but actually we are dealing with it. Mr. Minister, let's talk about freedom of the press. Media censorship has reportedly been on the rise. Uh, journalists who paint the military or the government in a negative light have faced threats. Human Rights Watch describes what it calls a climate of fear. You were once a journalist, former Minister of Information. You think it's acceptable to intimidate the press? No, it is not acceptable. And in Pakistan, I believe uh, media is probably one of the most free media that the world can imagine we have in Pakistan. There's no uh, denial to the fact that Pakistani media is very, very powerful. Um, and actually, many people believe there should be a strong defamation laws, which are not here, unfortunately. But Pakistani media, uh, uh, I, 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 I see no problem with, if you with say the freedom it's free. of expression. If you say it's free, then, then please explain to me why respected programs including the BBC's Urdu language bulletin, have pulled out of the country after what has been described a constant interference by channels under pressure from the authorities, why journalists have been, uh, charges have been brought against them. Um, others describe campaigns of online hate to intimidate them. Reporters Without Borders has condemned the campaigns. They've asked the government to do something about it. So where's the action? Well, online hate is something that politicians face the most. I face the most because, you know, whenever um, every day I face fatwas <laughs> and uh, on almost every second day on something and I get uh, death threats. So most of the journalists But Mr. Minister, the bottom line is it's, it's more than, than just online hate. It's more than just online hate. I mean, the European Commission in its assessment and an assessment of Pakistan says um, that the increasing pressure by security forces with the tacit approval of the government on those with dissenting views, including the media. This is what they're reporting about the situation, that it comes from you. Okay, so first is that online hate, I, I would like to explain that online hate is something that every segment of the society faces, and politicians are actually the most vulnerable. Now coming to the other, uh, uh, the area that you said, 
can you please name any journalists who have been actually intimidated by the state uh, and by the agencies? And is there any sure, specific uh, in, issue that you can relate absolutely. to? Absolutely. In June of 2019, TV screens suddenly went black during Geo News interview with a former president because cable TV operators disconnected transmission at the military high command's behest. That's according to Reporters Without Borders. Voice of America has also reported periodic blackouts, for example. We don't, we, I don't think so there's any blackout in Pakistan. In Pakistan, the, I would say uh, the, we have about, about say 150 channels and uh, the number of journalists is like in thousands. So I don't see any incident. You have been, not been able to name one person who has actually been intimidated by the state agencies. If there is a personal case of someone, I can, can't say about So then, anything. Mr. Minister, but I would say that... Uh, perhaps you will believe um, a justice in the Supreme Court who recently said in a hearing um, that the media in the country is not free and that the country is being destroyed in a systemic manner. Perhaps you will believe that statement. And perhaps you can also explain to me why your prime minister has separately cried foul and said that politicians are being targeted with libus reporting. Do you expect people to believe that you are really the victims here? Well, frankly, if that judge would have asked that uh, how many believe that uh, judiciary is free and how many uh, people, how many judges have been appointed on merit, I would uh, believe that the answer would have been same. Uh, so it's actually judges should not make such political statement because it then comes uh, back to haunt them. And it was very unprofessional of a judge to say, to make such statements. Um, and everyone know why he's doing that and uh, what is his background. There's a case against him. And uh, obviously he's very furious that why government... Another justice agreed with him, of, Mr. Uh, Minister. Another justice on the court well, agreed well, with him. Well, well, justice well. Bakir uh, chimed in when he made <laughs> but, that statement. Yeah, um, he said think, that judges should think, ideally avoid such comments. But what can be done when the country itself is not in an ideal situation? How, how long can judges remain silent, he said. But what is, what is your idea? Should the judges make political statements like that? That's, that's not for me to decide, sir. Okay. Thank you very much. So this is what my idea is, that uh, judges should not make political statements. Minister Fawad Chowdhury, thank you so much for joining us on Conflict Zone. Play it.